This is Simulcast, a high-fidelity podcast about healthcare simulation. Welcome to Simulcast. This is the first of our series from IMSH, the International Meeting for Simulation in Healthcare in San Antonio, Texas. I'm Victoria Brazel and I'm here with Ben Simon again. How are you, Ben? Yeah, I am good. It's so exciting to have our first big, glamorous international trip with Simulcast. I had a red carpet at the airport, did you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, one tip I have for uh, people who are going to their first American conference is that when I came here, I thought there was no food. Because when I come out of Don't Forget the Bubbles, there's like a whole platter immediately outside the lecture theater. But if you go to uh, IMSH, you need to follow the money. So you go... (laughs) Go to the exhibition hall, and there's like people cutting up a whole roast in front of you. So it's definitely the place to be. Rookie mistake. Listeners, you can't see how thin Ben is looking. (laughs) Can we use this? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so just to give you some idea about how we're going to approach this, we've got a series of podcasts that we're going to have some interviews with speakers, some interviews with attendees, and some uh, reflections from Ben and I for those of you who aren't lucky enough to be here, but I think we'd love to get some of the messages from some of the great sessions that uh, we've been attending. You're listening to Simulcast. So one of the first uh, folks we got to interview was very exciting, the incoming president of the Society for Simulation Healthcare, Katie Waxman, who is a leader of the California Simulation Alliance, which she's been doing for a number of years. And just to give you a flavor of the conference, she was introduced to the tunes of Eye of the Tiger. Here's some words from KT. We have an amazing conference ready for all of you. We have record-breaking numbers here, and there's something for everyone. So pick a topic, check it out, want to learn something more, move on to something else. But the most critical thing I think is networking. Meet someone that you have never met before. Bond with them, learn about them, get yourself a mentor if you don't already have one. It's a big place, it's a great conference, and we're just so happy that you're all here. There's something in it for everyone. I think that's great. Uh, Simulcast also has listeners who unfortunately can't be here. And what they're interested in is what do you see as some of the trends that are happening that are going to be highlighted here that all simulation community folks should be looking out for? One thing that we're going to do tomorrow, which we haven't done in the past, is a live stream to our plenary. So everyone from around the world can participate in the meeting, whether they're here or not. One of the things that we're seeing in the simulation community is it being really enabled by social media. So hashtag IMSH2019 uh, for people who are here, uh, but also following SSH on Twitter and other social media things. And uh, I think that is helping to build our community of practice. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, at KT Waxman, follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, KT Waxman. Find me. I will connect with you. I will be tweeting a lot during the conference and uh, throughout the year as my presidency, which begins on Wednesday. Excellent. Well, thanks very much, Katie. You're listening to Simulcast. In some of our pre-conference work, you went along or at least interviewed Kamal Bajaj about the Women in Leadership session. Um, Why did you choose to interview her about that? So this was really cool. So the reason for that was... Uh, we ran into each other in the hallway and did that weird thing where you kind of recognize each other from your photo. And she seemed disturbingly preoccupied with the fact that I looked legitimately like my photo. So I'm assuming she thought I was going to have aged terribly since then. Uh, but she had just come out of uh, the Women in Leadership uh, workshop and was kind of glowing with praise about how successful it was. So she gave me a snapshot. 
All right. Well, here's Komal herself uh, with some stories about that workshop. I am so excited to finally meet you in person. I feel like we've been buddies on social media for so long, and it's great to see your face. And you look like your photo. Um, so I'm. So, my name is Komal Bajaj. I uh, work at New York City Health and Hospitals. It's the largest municipal health system in the country. Um, I serve there as the clinical director for the simulation center and recently took a role as the chief quality officer within one of the hospitals there. So I'm really excited to think about simulation and how we move it. I use it to move quality improvement. Uh, I am just really in the sky right now. I'm so excited about a women in leadership session that I just attended. Um, it was standing room only. Um, you know, as a whole, I, our community is thinking about leadership and how do we foster um, leadership skills in ourselves and certainly those that we train. And this was a really great opportunity to get um, a large group of people together to think about that. The session... Um, uh, is really uh, in a series of sessions um, that we've had in years past and also is the kickoff to a day-long symposium which will be hosted by three societies, the Society for Simulation and Healthcare, Inaxel, and ASPE, which will be held in, in April 6th. So our session today focused on critical conversations and um, we used three case stems, um, thinking about incivility amongst peers, um, how to speak up when a you see a superior um, uh, perform an error. Um, and the third one related to uh, managerial challenge um, where there's some personal issues going on and how do you sort of resolve that. We had a really great conversation um, thinking about our own personal strengths and weaknesses and what are sort of some of the um, opportunities and threats basically on a system level, um, and how can we reflect on those and help drive our practice so that when we're in these circumstances, um, you know, we are able to perform more effectively as leaders. Great. And it sounds like it was a pretty inspiring session. There were lots of people there. It sounds like this is really reaching a need that the community has at the moment to have these discussions. You know, absolutely. I think it's it's loud and clear. Our first um, uh, session last year was 60 people. So we had it capped at around that for this time. And we actually had to keep expanding it and expanding it. And I think we almost had double what we had originally intended. And I think it really sort of speaks to um, the fact that, that, you know, these are important conversations to be had um, and the time is ripe. Brilliant. And so if people want to hear about this next combined session, where's the best place to go? Absolutely. So it's going to be socialized on all of all three societies' web pages, and everyone is welcome, no matter what your gender. Um, and so you could find it on the, um, SSH's website as well as Aspen and Axel. Brilliant. Okay, thank you so much. You're listening to Simulcast. The other fairly uh, significant event that happened before the conference officially started was the Inspire Network meetings, um, including the Impacts Group. And Ben, I guess this is a little bit interesting to you just because of your own clinical practice. Mm. Uh, but you interviewed uh, James there, and uh, we've got some words from him here. Okay, so I'm here after one of the first Inspire breakout sessions today at IMSH 2019 in San Antonio, and I'm here with uh, James Leung, and I'm just wondering if you could introduce yourself a little bit and tell us what you do. 
For sure. Uh, so uh, my name is uh, Dr. James Liang. I'm a pediatric emergency uh, physician uh, centered in uh, Canada. So my main uh, institution is from uh, McMaster University. And in that role, I am the director of pediatric simulation uh, for pediatric emergency medicine in, in our in our hospital. Um, so uh, we just had this meeting uh, session on uh, on impacts. And what impacts is, is uh, it's an international sort of collaborative uh, that's centered out of Yale and started by Dr. Mark Arbach with a sort of central mission at looking at improving uh, the care of uh, pediatric uh, patients, uh, requiring resuscitation in the community, and working on building collaborations between academic centers uh, and community centers, and looking at ways to collaborate and work and optimize that process, and figuring out ways that um, we can better support uh, these community sites. A couple of central themes that came out from that meeting were optimizing processes in terms of uh, relationships with our community centers, getting engagement um, and continuous sustainable engagement with um, community sites. Um, we also talked about establishing our moral imperative, I think, of of uh, of improving care of children and making sure that always stays a, a core focus of uh, of our mission. I think uh, in the impacts collaborative as well. And I think finally we we looked at. Um, uh, d different sort of ways that the impacts group is now maturing now that um, there's been more members that's been joining and sort of how that how um, uh, there's different missions that uh, can be looked at outside of just simulation um, but uh, also looking at sort of QI initiatives that come along with that as well too. Yeah it seems to me to kind of echo uh, some of the discussions in simulation in healthcare in general about the way we're maturing beyond simulation is good to teach stuff to moving on to how does this relate to quality improvement how does this relate to actually uh, generating some data on whether we're actually impacting patient outcomes yeah absolutely I think um, that that that's the million dollar question I yeah. think that we're all looking at I think I mean that's one of the great powers of these networks yeah absolutely so look if uh, someone's listening to the podcast and they want to learn more about impacts where would be the best place to go for that um, so uh, the Impacts uh, Collaborative has a very uh, accessible uh, website. Um, it, uh, the protocol is all listed there as well, too, um, and as well as uh, ways to contact Mark. Yeah, we were just commenting as well. I think it's, it's certainly the Inspire group in general over the last day and a half that I've been touching base with you guys. It's been an incredibly sort of collaborative and very open and welcoming research group. It's been great to meet you guys. So thanks so much for your time. No problem. Thank you very much. And just to recap on the point that was made about trying to find out how you could connect with this group, did you actually have their website for us, Ben? I do. So the IMPACTS website is medicine.yale.edu slash lab, L-A-B, slash impact. All right. So we're going to check out the work of that group, and it sounds like they're very interested in collaborating. I would have to say that Inspire group was the most genuinely nice, approaching, collaborative group of uh, strangers I've met in a long time. It was really impressive. What is it about you, pediatric emergency physicians? Uh -huh. You're also nice. Just nauseatingly nice, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Simulcast. Okay, Ben, so one of the things that I think was really evident at the conference was how we start to think about transferring our simulation skills and knowledge to the real world. And I saw there were a lot of sessions thinking about clinical event debriefing uh, in a variety of terminologies and a variety of formats. Uh, you went and interviewed Stuart Rose about this. Tell us about that. 
Yes, yeah, so I would agree there was a lot of content at this IMSH on clinical event debriefing in all its forms uh, and with some debate about the best format to do that um, and sometimes even a couple of sessions on simultaneously on that stuff. So Stuart Rose uh, is the author of the info paper that we looked at last year in Journal Club and it got a very strong response and Stuart was also very kind in uh, spending a lot of time both interacting with our uh, journal club, but also taking on the feedback that we actually um, sort of synthesized at the end of that month and reflecting on how it will potentially change uh, his approach to info in the future. So I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time with Stuart at this conference. And uh, so I chatted with him for a bit about info and where it's currently at. Uh, hi, Ben. Um, thanks for, uh, for having me on. And uh, I'm Stuart Rose. I'm an adult emerge physician. I work in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I have an interest in simulation and debriefing, and specifically in the last couple of years in debriefing real events, clinical events. Yeah, and so our podcast listeners and journal club followers will hopefully know you quite well because we covered your info paper last year and really enjoyed it. And uh, so I've really enjoyed spending the last couple of days with you wandering IMSH and also attending a number of uh, clinical event debriefing workshops. Um, and before we started the recorder, I guess both of us were kind of making some observations that clinical event debriefing seems to be in its infancy a lot of in a lot of ways. So just an aside, I just want to say thank you for featuring the info article in your journal club. I really appreciated the opportunity to get feedback. I think you, you provide such a wonderful forum for um, spreading people's work and for getting good peer review, peer feedback on on journal articles. So thank oh, great. You. No worries. Um, just getting back to the clinical debriefing that we've seen at IMSH, uh, I think the very positive experience that um, is is kind of moving through the sim world is that people are, are really becoming more interested in debriefing real events and starting to focus more on debriefing real events. Mm. And I think we're seeing that in the amount of people that are now coming to the workshops. It's it's definitely the numbers are picking up significantly from, say, three years ago. Yeah. There are a number of sort of packed sessions where there was kind of standing room only in the clinical event debriefing one specifically. Yeah, I think it seemed really popular. People are thirsty for knowledge. And I think, going back to your point, we are in infancy, and I don't think there's a right and a wrong, and I don't think there's any uh, standard of, of care of how we should be doing this. And so there's lots of curiosity, and people that are actually doing it um, need to share their work and need to share what they're doing mm. so we can all learn from it. Yeah. I noticed in our workshop this afternoon there was a lot of expression of people sort of having the will to start clinical event debriefing but really not having sort of any clue about how to start what sort of structure to use, and a lot of concern about doing it right. And I would say for me, I found the fact that we're clearly all feeling our way around this still to be in some ways empowering, uh, but I know that you're very intimately familiar with some structures, particularly info. So in terms of the stuff that's already out there, what have you found particularly useful? Um, I think that having a structure is helpful. I think that it gives everybody a bit of confidence in seeing something and being able to use something. Um, I don't think there's the, – I know that other people are debriefing and they haven't published their work yet. Uh, 
I think there's going to be some good stuff coming out from other groups. Um, and I think I would encourage people to, to, to share their work with us in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's difficult to say what the best way to do this is. Um, and everybody's going to adopt a strategy that works in their environment. But I think the important thing is to start thinking about this and start thinking about how you would do it because it is not as scary as it seems. I think we need to be cautious as to how we roll it out and we need to try and ensure people's safety as much as we can. But I think as a group, we are pretty resilient and maybe more so than we think. And, um, Start thinking about it. Start trying to make it happen. I think that there's a lot of expression of concern and caution about the damage of starting real conversations at work, and there hasn't been a lot of auditing about the damage of not having those conversations. Yeah. Um, and I guess what's really struck me when I hang out with you, Stuart, is this is something uh, particularly with info that you're really passionate about. Why is it that you care about this so much? I think it's so important um, that we have these conversations because it's – the, the the shared human experience that happens after an event that we seek out as human beings and as care providers to validate what we've just experienced. It's a simple, quick, often effective way of sharing a, often a powerful experience. And I think it's important in our in, in our mental health um and our, our well being. I'm not I don't profess to know mm any theory about that except what it feels like after an info session or after a discussion when I realize we're all on the same page, the team feels the same as I do, and I can then pack that away, move on to my next case. Mm. I I don't have to waste energy and time going back and trying to work through things on my own. Yeah, I think um, I think really that discussion and breakdown of a shared experience that people have gone through together is it in itself kind of a therapeutic act and uh, really useful and can be transformative to the team. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I think just if you're thinking about a clinical debriefing process, um, reach out, find somebody who's doing it. Um, there are articles published. Start getting a team together, start consulting people, and start seeing what would work in your environment. But get out there and do it. Absolutely. And if people want to learn more about Info, what's the best way to find out? So I am on Twitter at Info Debriefing. Um, you can contact me on my email address. Uh, it's, if you're happy to say it, you're welcome to. You don't it's to. on the uh, so scrose02 at gmail.com. Um, it is on the article that we published, the, uh, which is in the, um, if you just, it's free open access, the Info uh, Charge Nurse Facilitated Clinical Debriefing article. Um, and I'd be happy to hear from people who are debriefing. And if I can help, I would be more than happy to do that. Brilliant. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Simulcast. All right, so interestingly, the opening plenary was on Sunday afternoon, which is a bit unusual for Australian conferences, but uh, it seems to work pretty well because people have gathered there ready to kick things off. And the opening session wasn't just the initial talk, but there are a number of uh, 
awards given, and one of them I was very interested in was Ron Harden, who received a Pioneer in Simulation Award. Some of you might know Ron as the long-serving secretary for the Association for Medical Education in Europe, the AMI group, who run a conference every year. And again, Ron really has been a pioneer more broadly in medical education. He's kind of the inventor of the OSCE, but he also has done a lot of work many years before any of us were with simulated patients and looking how they can be worked with to enhance our educational offerings. And I really enjoyed his uh, short presentation in accepting his award when he reflected a little bit on what had helped him through 55 years of simulation. And one of the things that he did was he had a lovely uh, dragonfly analogy and he talked about four things that had made such a difference, he thought, in advancing the field. One was collaboration. One was having a supportive environment. One was making sure that the work had transferability. And the last one was about practical solutions for practical problems. And I thought it was a lovely kind of reflection on a career, um, not just focused on the achievements, but on the process by how he got there. And I guess I'm just such a fan of Ron Harden's. Mm. But uh, how did it land on you, Ben? Yeah, no, absolutely. So he used a dragonfly model and looking at how the front and back wings of a dragonfly synchronize in different ways uh, to kind of illustrate those four points. And it was a really lovely, elegant, and almost nostalgic kind of talk. It was great. Yeah. Uh, also in that session, there were a couple of updates from the Society for Simulation in Healthcare. And again, for simulcast listeners who want to check out that website, if you're not a member or if you hadn't had a look, it's ssih.org. And in fact, there is a wonderful repository of resources there. And if you do join the Society, there's some advantages to that and there's some areas and resources of the website that you can access. One of the things that they're going to be releasing is an operations specialist magazine. So this is a little bit different to their journal, which Simulation in Healthcare is the journal of the society. This is really, I think, a publication focused on those people who do so-called operations and the more technical aspects of simulation. And it seems to me that is a worthwhile thing because this is clearly a community that also likes to connect, albeit not necessarily the same as the educational community. Mm. The other thing that they mentioned was their healthcare simulation dictionary. And again, this is a good resource. One of the challenges for us in simulation is having a similar understanding of the terminology that we're using. And a couple of years ago, the society produced this healthcare simulation dictionary, uh, and they very proudly announced that they've now translated it to a number of other languages, which I think is also a useful thing if we're trying to develop a global community. And so the last thing in that session was the first of the keynote speakers. Uh, this is Tally Sharrett, who is a professor of cognitive neuroscience, which I think is an interesting choice, but really focused in on uh, how we behave. And I guess thinking about its connection with simulation as how we change our behavior and how our brains will, of course, influence that. Uh, your thoughts on that, Ben? Well, I think it was an interesting presentation in that she talked a lot about this concept of optimism bias and made the argument that if we're trying to make impactful change with people, that reframing um, our feedback in a way that emphasizes positive gain from change rather than negative consequence of not changing um, can lead to a more impactful lesson, um, which I think uh, was really useful kind of re- reframe for me to hear. It's not something that I've ever consciously thought of. And I thought she did a good job of breaking down some pretty complex neuroscience into very approachable layman's terms, which I thought she did really artfully. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess that's a wrap for day one, Ben. Mm-hmm. This is Simulcast, a high-fidelity podcast about healthcare simulation.